Hello and welcome to the Hacked Off Podcast. In today's episode, I've got Simon with me. Simon, who on earth are you? Hey, um, so I, um, I, I'm, I'm Simon. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of stole that one from me. Um, no, I'm the security technology lead at Secure Impact. So we are a fairly small security consultancy. We're trying to kind of push the bounds of, of what a, a pen test should be, what what general security consultants should be, making sure that we are providing the the value and actual kind of business use that that people should be getting out of these sort of things. And it is too often where somebody will come to us and go, hey, I've had a pen test done. Can you help me understand the reports? And it's the output of a Nessus scan or things things like that. So we're trying to change the sort of perception of what so the output of these tests should be and work in a less adversarial and confrontational manner and move towards a collaboration and working with our clients to actually help them improve their security stance rather than just pointing out where they've gone wrong. How are you defining value there? So you say you're aiming to provide the best value, but what does that mean? Is that lowest cost, highest security improvement? How do you grade the work that you do? It's a little bit of both. So we want to make sure that we're never providing a service that the client doesn't need. You know, if they're coming in and they are asking for, they, they turn up in front and go, hey, we want a full red team engagement. We want all this. We want you to come out all, you know, no holds barred. And actually they haven't even taken the first step and even gone as far as, you know, they haven't got an inventory of assets they've got. They haven't got all this stuff. They're not going to get any value out. Sure, we can do it. We could go in and we, we can carry out the engagement. We can We can do what they've asked. But it's going to be a waste of time on their part and money because the results aren't going to be useful. Uh, similarly, we get, you know, we want a pen test in this area where actually, you know, maybe you want to focus on this first. Um, and it, it's that that approach to trying to guide them to something that's going to actually help them improve rather than just ticking a box um, and making sure they understand the implications of what it is that they're actually getting a test from. Um, and I mean, that's that's just up front. Once, once we're actually engaged, we're carrying out the engagement, the communication, everything needs to be kind of very, very smooth. So they need to understand what's happening. Um, again, all too often, you engage a company to come in, they'll do a pen test, they'll kind of disappear off into the dark for you know a week, two weeks, maybe you'll catch up with them once or twice, and then you get a report thrown over the fence, and that's it, they're, they're, they're gone. And we're, again, moving away from that and providing the ongoing communication. So we, we have ways of them seeing kind of what's falling out almost in real time. So having regular kind of sight of, of what's happening. Now, we're not expecting them to run around and start making changes whilst we're doing this, but having that view of how things are going makes things like those, those catch-up calls, those, those little touch points so much easier where you can explain to them and show them in kind of their business terms what's happening right now. And then, yeah, coming coming into the uh, coming into sort of the end of an engagement, again, it's making sure that they understand. So obviously we need to include the technical detail in there because they need to remediate these issues. They need to know how to reproduce them. They need to do all Absolutely. But very often the, the report won't end up in front of people who can understand that initially. So it's making sure that as well as including all that technical, we have the risks explained in sort of nice, clear business terms, allowing somebody who doesn't necessarily have a technology or security background to understand why something is bad. How do you define bad? Because what I'm thinking about here is, you know, you're saying you, you're looking to explain the things in, in their business terms. How, when you first engage with a new customer that you've never worked with before, do you know what language to use for them? How do you know their business terms if they're new to you? A lot of that is 
in the sort of pre-engagement interactions. So we need to understand, we need a very, very good understanding of why they need the test. It's not just what they need, it's why. Um, we need to we need to understand, and it, it's not just just us. I mean, this is it's it's a problem in the industry in a lot of places that, that I do see all the time where people are very focused on the what, but not the why. So, hey, you want a pen test of this web app? Absolutely, but why? What's the problem we're trying to address here? What is your concern? Do you know what you're concerned about? If somebody just said you need a pen test, in which case, let's figure out what's important to you. And it's it's getting that understanding upfront of what it is we're shooting at, not just from a testing perspective, but what do they care about? What is important to them? And kind of how do we get them to a point where they can assess whether the controls they've got in place achieve that goal? I love a second ago when you said um, throwing the report over the fence. That's something that I've recently been ranting about, about other pen testing companies where, you know, they're uh, really great up front and, you know, all of the communication, hey, I'm the pen tester, we're assessing this today, we're ready to go, we're getting started, don't worry about it. And then at the end of the engagement, you don't hear anything for a couple of weeks as they're working on the report. And then and then that's it, as you say, thrown over the fence. So, so I love that term. But you said that, saying that you've got a, a better way of handling that uh post-test communication so so how do you do it so we 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 try and kind of mitigate that feeling of oh hey here's great it's a report in in a couple of ways so we have the the regular touch points with the customer through the test so fairly standard to you know maybe have a weekly call but we we try and push that a little bit further and we'll do start the weekend of the week you know whatever works for the customer we'll try and get those two in and it it sounds a little bit kind of like yeah duh, of course but it really makes a difference is having that, hey, this is what we're going to do this week. These are the things we're going to look at, you know, if it's a couple of weeks in, based on what we found last week, we're, we're going to go and target on this. And it gives them the opportunity, again, to steer us a little bit. So if we're like, hey, we're going to go and go down this rabbit hole over here. We found this stuff. We want to chase it down. And they're like, oh, yeah, but based on what you found last week, we're really worried about this stuff. Can you have a look over there? But yeah, of course, we can steer it because, again, they're steering the testing towards something that's more valuable to them, at least at that stage. At the end of the week, we do a walkthrough. So we we use Jira at the moment, but you know other other tools are available. But that sort of thing where we're tracking any findings and we do a walkthrough with them. We do it on a Thursday and we sit down and we're like, hey, this is what we've turned up this week. And it's not going into massive technical detail, but hey, we found this thing here. You know, we might find a SQL injection over in this part of the site. And it gives them an idea of how things are going, but it also helps DROs again to be more valuable because it's very easy to look at something like like that and be like, oh, this is pretty bad. And but when you explain it to them, they go, oh, that's that's really bad because that's in this really sensitive part and it's got access to this data. It allows us to kind of again steer the test and it allows them, if they need to, to take steps immediately because they know what's important to them. Again, if you if you do the kind of usual sitting on it until the end, you kick it off and they're like, oh my God, why didn't you tell us about this? Well, we didn't know it was that important. Yeah, one of the things I often see pen testers struggle with as well is it's really important to update the customer on nothing is happening. And it's just like, yeah. the test is going to plan. You don't, you don't need to worry because I think sometimes certainly a, a longer engagement at the very start of the longer engagement where you're doing application mapping and enumeration and those kinds of things. It's like, there might not be anything hugely interesting coming out of that. So it's just letting the customer know that everything is progressing you don't need to worry yeah it's it's another thing that kind of as an industry i think we need to move away from a little bit that that nothing is happening isn't a bad thing but people always people always worry about it oh i'm i'm not finding things i'm not doing it i've not got anything to tell the customer i've not that's not a bad thing that means they're doing all right that doesn't mean you're not doing your job well i mean it might but on the whole 
that isn't bad. I mean, perfect example, we've just spent two weeks looking at a web app here and the only thing we found was some UUIDs weren't being quite generated randomly. And that was all that fell out after two weeks mm -hmm. of, of pretty intense sort of scrutiny, both sort of source code review, dynamic analysis, everything. And we threw everything in and that's all there was. But it's a very skilled team of developers and not finding anything isn't bad. So being able to have that chat and be like, hey, you know, we've, we've been doing all this stuff and actually you're doing a great job. And sort of communicating that is is really, really useful to the customer, but something that people seem to be scared of. And I have that discussion with people regularly and they're like, I'm not finding things on this test. What am I doing wrong? Maybe nothing. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe nothing. Maybe, maybe they've done a really good job. Like nothing's going on shouldn't scare people as much as it does. I also see um, some pen testing companies where they'll... And I know why they do it, and it, it it's probably kind of like um, bias brought on from the pen tester of uh, previous engagements. But sometimes you see the tester go very gung ho with like the impact of the vulnerability and trying to talk about like, hey, this is the worst case scenario and everything's really bad. And when that that is important, but what I'm leading up to here is sometimes the fix is very easy. And it's like, you just need to tick this box. So you just need to install this patch or something. And if you go in like, the world is on fire, you, you need to take action. It can freak the customer out when in actuality, yeah. you can start with, okay, this is a very simple issue to fix. Let me run you through why it's important to take the action soon. Yeah. And that's that's one of the big things that falls out of again, when we do our little weekly catch-ups with, with customers and they're not they're not long, they're, they're 15 to 20 minutes. We, we have half an hour booked and they rarely run longer than 20 minutes, but we have that conversation. If we find something and, and we think it needs addressing immediately it's like hey this is bad but don't worry look this is this is the fix or it gives them the opportunity again because you do get people coming in gung-ho like that and saying hey this is terrible but sometimes it isn't because they have controls you don't know about in place that actually mitigate and it's you know you you get to the report stage you put it in you send it off and you know maybe, maybe you've dropped it and it's critical it's really bad but there's extra controls in place that downgrade it as far as the customer is concerned yeah not only that but I was, I was talking recently about um sql injection where usually when people mention sql injection it's like immediately it's it's got to be a critical and it's like yeah but what, what can you actually access it's like well i can access all of the information in the database yeah so what's stored in the database <laughs> you know? what's in there yeah like yeah it probably is really bad but it might not be <laughs> Yeah, SQL injection is one of ours. We've, we've been turning up a lot and having to do that kind of triage at the moment, just just the nature of what we've been looking at recently, there, there were a lot of them. And we got quite excited at first and it did have that kind of like, oh, yeah, it's SQL injection. It's like, oh, awesome. I can dump a list of image IDs. I can steal my own data. Yeah, like, like brilliant. So, yeah, it needs addressing, but it's not a big, scary vulnerability. And people do fall into that trap of, hey, this is really bad because I can, I can, I can SQL inject and dump the database. But yeah, it's as, as you pointed out, the, the sensitivity and criticality of the data in the database is what makes it bad, not the fact you can inject SQL. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're working with companies, then you say one of the important things is is the why of the engagement. So let's talk a little bit about kind of like what is the goal for the for the the testing, and how do you make sure that you're pushing the customers towards interesting goals that are going to generate value and away from um, you know, please send us a certificate that says we've had a pen test. Sometimes you can't um sometimes they really want that little piece of paper so that they can tick that compliance box and they they that's that's what they want and that's fine sometimes you've got to try and steer it for sure and still do everything else you can to add that value but sometimes they just really don't care and that's that's something that needs addressing over time that requires a relationship to be built that requires sort of encouraging them to change the stance on kind of what these tests mean and what they can get out of them and you can you can still do that with companies like that 
by providing that value through the assessment. So sure, they came into it through, you know, they're, they're doing a checkbox exercise. They need to just get this ticked off. That's what they want. If by the end of it, they walk away going, oh, hey, that was actually really good. We learned a lot. We found out this stuff. We, you know, we've identified it. Sometimes that's all it takes to change that sort of customer. Um, for those that are kind of more willing to engage and aren't just coming in because they need to take a box or for compliance reasons, it's it's a case of getting to understand them. So often they don't know what it is they care about. Someone somewhere in the business will, um, and you'll run into it. But if that person's not in the room, it can be really difficult to try and steer people towards answering that question of what is it that if you lose it, it breaks or somebody else gets control of it is going to be is going to be terminal like what what is it and you sometimes you can ask four different people get four different answers but you know often there is there is something they can point at but they don't think about it like that so they need a you know they need a pen test because hey we're releasing this new web app and someone says we should get it tested and yeah we try and take cybersecurity quite seriously can you come and test it it's like well yeah sure but why are we testing it do you you know, are you storing particularly sensitive information in there? Are you hooking it up to any other systems that are kind of business critical? Are you, you know, how how does it interact with the rest of the business? If it's in isolation and just going to sit on its own, then just the data within the application is going to be important. And that's what's going to be critical. And they're obviously running it for a reason. So they probably just care about whatever data is being entered by users there. Or maybe the service itself and its kind of its integrity and uptime is the important thing. Can you knock it over? Because we're not storing any data, but actually we use it to process order requests. And it's the uptime. And it can take it can take a little bit of coaxing to get to that point. But it's it's largely it's something you develop a bit of a feel for as well over time. It's it's hard to do out of the gate because it can be an awkward and quite lengthy conversation where you're like, Hey, yeah, I know you want to do this, but why? Why why do you care about this? There's a thing as well with a lot of pen testers where if the customer is not immediately absolutely enamored with every aspect of the assessment, that they think that they're doing security for the wrong reasons or they're, they're uninterested in those kinds of things. I can give you an example of this and we can build it back into pen testing. But we get cyber essentials because it's mandated for some of the work that we do. I am not interested in cyber essentials and I don't believe that it massively increases the security of my organization because we're already doing all of the things and we're just you know effectively uh, demonstrating that or, or proving that and um, sometimes we write a software product uh, organizations are going to say you need a pen test of this or our environment we want a pen test of this so we might have had this system tested many times you might have internal pen tests those kinds of things but this uh, customer of ours has a specific requirement so I might go into that engagement saying I need a pen test because one of our customers has told us to. And a lot of uh, of uh, suppliers are immediately turned off by that. Like, oh, you're doing security for the wrong reasons and things like that. It's like, no, no, we just do a lot of security and this is just one activity. And it's not possible for me to be passionate about everything. And I'm definitely not passionate about cyber essentials, but we still do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, you, you're quite right. Cyber essentials itself doesn't do much to improve the security of an organization because everything's in place by the time you do the certification. It's not. It isn't a process to improve. Now, that isn't to say... It's, it's context-specific, isn't it? You know, if it's if it's an organization's first time. Yeah, and that, that isn't to say cyber essentials. It's not to say cyber essentials isn't a good thing. I, I believe it is. I, I think people sometimes attach the wrong significance to it. But as a way of doing that, it's, it's a certificate to say you are doing enough to meet a sensible baseline for security. It, it's not going to help you reach that, but it will give you that some level of assurance that you're doing what you should be to at least be kind of, you know, starting that security journey in earnest. I can, I'm going to cause you some pain here purposely. Is that not what pen testing is? 
So if I have to get cyber essentials because one of our customers says we only work with companies that are cyber essential certified, and also I need to get a pen test because one of my customers says the same thing for our software platform, is that not therefore comparable that penetration testing in that context is comparable to cyber essentials? Different levels of assurance. Um, different. I agree, but the same thing though, right? It's still a certification to demonstrate that you've achieved a security standard. It is. The cyber essential certification will prove that the answers you've given and the controls you say you've got in place meet a certain standard. A pen test will verify. And that's 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 the big difference. Uh, and that's kind of the, again, the big difference between Cyber Essentials and Cyber Essentials Plus is the verification. Mm -hmm. So with Cyber Essentials being essentially self-certified, so you fill out the answer form, it goes to an assessor and they go, looks good. There's no validation there. So, so take Cyber Essentials Plus then where it is being validated. It's just demonstrating that you have controls in place, right? It is. Because we talk about penetration testing, like it's this it's this romanticized idea of like hacking. And, and it is cool. And pen testing is awesome, don't get me wrong. But is it not there to to demonstrate a risk level for an organization in some contexts? It is. Um, it is. And it depends on the application of both things. The both tools in the arsenal. Um, Cyber Essentials and Cyber Essentials Plus with the verification built in will absolutely say that you're meeting this baseline, you're doing this thing. Penetration testing will help with assurance, very assurance of very specific things. So Cyber Essentials will generally, and you know, you generally see it unless there's reasons not to, a Cyber Essentials certificate will cover a whole organization or you know, whole offices or that sort of thing. And it will cover the, the the wider processes and policies where you may use a pen test to test a specific technology stack. It's rare that the scope of a pen test will be whole organization. Yeah, we're going to get into uh, red teaming territory, aren't we? So um, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, what I, what I was trying to build up to here is um, very often when when you talk to people who do security every day, they, they talk about the cyber essentials if it's, if it, as if it's valueless and penetration testing as if it's this almighty standard. And what I'm trying to build up to here is surely there is some kind of journey here, right? You're not going to jump in first security assessment, you'd use a pen test. You may be going to start a cyber essentials then cyber essentials plus as you say. And then once you've got that covered, you, you build up to some thing and presumably pen testing would be a step on that journey so if you're working with an organization and you're saying uh, as you mentioned before like what is the goal here and this organization is just saying we want to get better at security what does that journey look like where, where do we start and how do we constantly increase the maturity of an organization so you answered that in a second there but you you touched on what i what i said briefly earlier is as well making sure that the okay. organization is ready for what it is they're asking for um, and and you, you nailed it there. So if they're coming in and asking for a pen test, but have kind of no idea about what's in place, or they haven't done those basic steps of having a password policy or having an actual patch cycle set up, or there's there's very little point of value to be gained from the pen test because you, at that point, you almost know you're going to go in and find things and not get to the root cause of it. So going back to your, your question there, the, the journey looks a lot like that. So it's, you know, we, we want... We want a pen test. We want to get better at security. So we want a pen test. It's like, well, okay, so what have you done already? Where are you at now? What have you done to start off this security journey? Is this step one? Or have you been, you know, is this an ongoing process? You've been doing this for six months, a year, two years, and you've got all these policies in place. You've got these controls in place. And now you want to validate them. And once you've kind of gathered where they are in, in, that, in that journey and, you know, if it is their first step and they're, you know, the first people they've actually spoken to is you and you're sat there and like, hey, we want a pen test. That's where you almost need to do that difficult thing of saying no and being like, that's not what you need. Um, and I find that tends to go one of two ways. They 
don't talk to you again because you told them no, which is fine for two reasons. One, you were never going to provide them value and sure you'd have done a test and you'd have got paid for it, but they were probably never going to come back because they'd have not got any value out of the test and be like, well, that was a waste of time and money. Awesome. Um, or they go, oh, what do we need? And that's 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 awesome. That's the the interest and the desire to in, sort of actually engage that that we we hope and pray for every time we have this conversation. It's great. Yeah. So hey, you've not done any of these things. So have you, you know, have you looked at have you got an, a device inventory? Have you got, you know, how are you managing your user accounts? Does everyone does everyone log into their machines? Have you got some way of centrally controlling that? Can you reset passwords or lock accounts if you need to? How are you managing patching on your machines? Are you doing that? And sometimes it, it moves from, hey, we need a pen test to, hey, we need a little bit of consultancy time to help us define these policies and controls we should have in place. Yeah, you must get that as well when um, sometimes you have customers who come in and they, you can tell almost straight away because they're, they're using terminology wrong. And they're very interested in what you do. But I, I give you an example, you know, a customer comes in and says, like, oh, you know, we, we, we want to get a red team scan. You know, can, you, can you do a red team scan for us? For, for the benefit of the audience there, there was a slight twitch at the phrase <laughs> red team scan. But, but you get the point that I'm trying to say there, don't you, where sometimes customers are engaged, but they may be uninformed and they, they, they want to do security, but they don't know what they're asking for. And it's 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 steering that. And like I said, the conversation, that's, that's a better conversation than we want a pen test and that's what we want because hey we want a red team scan it's like are you sure like <laughs> this is what we're going if we if we come in so you know what you're actually asking for here isn't a red team scan that's not really a thing your red team engagement is probably what you've heard and that's going to be this do you want us to do that and they go no 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 <laughs> no oh god no please please don't do that and you're like yeah no okay cool so and then you again you pivot that conversation back to what is going to be useful for these guys and it's yeah it's it's knowing how to sort of steer that conversation and actually explain those terms because you do you do you you do see it and you all the time and i mean even not as far as like red team scans just the line's very blurry where hey we need some red team engagement doing and it's like you don't know what that is do you because everything gets lumped into oh it's offensive it's red there it is and yeah i think i think i mean that's that's partially on us i think we have a terminology problem where things are very similar in name but quite distinct things i don't think there's necessarily anywhere around that i mean we can we can improve it but i think reasonable adults are always going to disagree and, and as you were saying like in my experience the best thing to do is is to talk to the customer about well what do you mean by that word? Let's not have the pedantic fight of, no, a red team is specifically this. Yeah. It's just like, what What do you mean? What is it you're looking for? And then we will provide you that. Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. But yeah, it is It is always it's always quite amusing to see that wide-eyed look when you explain what, what an actual red team engagement would entail mm. and that look of, of horror, terror, and interest so let's let's talk about that then so i think we've covered you know cyber central starting point everybody knows what that is <laughs> um pen testing we, we've talked about like some of the problems that customers have but as we're moving through this journey red, red teaming is is next on the list since we've come up with um some people define terms differently can you give us a quick definition of, of what is red teaming to you how is it different to pen testing and then we'll we'll dig into some of the fun things you get up to on red teams red teaming is almost the, the logical evolution of a penetration test it's it's taking that that extra step so like i said we touched on it in the cyber central discussion there where a pen test is generally going to be quite focused on a specific technology stack or business area or tool. The red team engagement generally is much wider. Um, I mean, in both, so a lot of people fall into a trap of, oh, in a red team, we're going to emulate the bad guys. 
whatever that bad guy is. But realistically, we sh should be trying to do that in a more time efficient way on a penetration test anyway, um, because you know that's that's the point of the exercise. Yeah, if you're if you're not simulating a realistic threat, then what are you doing? That's 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 it. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of people use that as the distinction they go well on a red team we're going to pretend to be the bad guys it's like well are we not doing that on a pen test like is that is that not what we're doing um so it's not as clear as that but it's it's generally you you fall more into red team when you're allowed to take the gloves off when you're running over a much much longer engagement period and you've got the luxury of doing things i say luxury it can be a nightmare but of, do, of doing things mm. like the bad guys and using the bad guys at that as a just as a term because what that means changes depending on the business. No, no, I wrote a star next to my notes to say the bad guys because I've been doing something similar recently where sometimes it's really important to make a distinction when you're talking about things like cyber criminal organizations where you're just talking about criminals and you're purposely trying to um, remove, say, nation-state attackers from yeah. it or you're talking about nation-state attackers and trying to remove the um, the criminals. And I know the term, the term of art within the industry is probably threat actor, right, or threat group. And that's not a great term to no. give to, like, people who aren't in this industry. So I have started using, like the bad guys are similar to just be like anyone you don't like in this context. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. I mean, the, the, the bad guys could be, uh, you touch it there, you've got your nation state stuff, you've got your actual criminal groups, you've got cyber activism, you've got all of it. And what the bad guys gets replaced with depends on the organization you're talking to. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's one of those terms where it's kind of like, what are the bad guys? Well, it depends. Um, but we, we, we get back to the red team we get to actually emulate them properly because one of the things you run into so especially on the pen test in infrastructure pen test you're like hey can i have a network diagram and they're like no because you know a, a, an actual attacker wouldn't have that it's like well no but they'd also have six months to do reconnaissance like let's let's speed that up a little bit so you get to do some of that and get to do some things where you've not necessarily got the luxury of time to do so on a penetration test. So you can start doing things like, you know, take, taking some time to craft some really fun spear phishing attacks. You can start attacking actual specific bits of infrastructure that they've got. So it's, it's red team, red team engagements where you get to do things like, you know, you're crafting custom exploits for maybe door card readers, which was incredibly fun when we, when we got to do that, where it's not a valuable use of time to do so during a penetration test because you're very constrained on time during a red team you, you've got the luxury of time to do it and it's expected that you will do so it's um yeah that's the i think that the basic example there would be something like you know an internal infrastructure test and you talk to the customer and you say you know oh what ip addresses do you have and which ones are you concerned about and the customer says oh we're not telling you the real hackers would find it and it's like cool man yeah i can run nmap for days and days and days if you, if you want to pay for that it's a waste of money but i absolutely can do that that's that's it and yeah it's one of, one of those things you, you run into a lot like well, the bad guys wouldn't be able to, you know, wouldn't have that information. It's like, no, they, they, they would, just not as quick. So so just, just to, to finalise that point then. So on a pen test, we're talking about skipping over that because it's more um, cost effective or, or those kinds of things. Why on a red team would you not skip over that? And why in the context of a red team are you saying you should be doing that level of intelligence gathering and enumeration? So during a red team engagement, you, you're testing the wider controls as much as trying to get at a specific target. So we're looking for at what point do the controls that a target has in place trigger on things like that so how fast can our reconnaissance go internally before something detects it and says it's a bit weird so you're testing uh not only their uh defensive security capability but their responsive ability as well is that it? yeah it's it's you're you're, you're testing the the kind of the wider set of controls that they've got in place i mean going back to you know you've got 
during, during a penetration test, you might be sort of looking at a, a web application. They've got they've got a, a, a WAF in place, a nice web application firewall there that, that catches all the things. And for the purposes of the test, you bypass it because we're not testing the WAF, we're testing the application behind it. What, what do you mean bypass it there? So we either get them to whitelist an IP address or maybe we get a VPN connection to jump in. So we're, we're not going through the firewall that's offering these extra protections because... Yeah, so you're taking, you're taking that control out for the sake of testing. Taking the control out for the sake of speed. During a red team, we won't do that because we want to know whether there are any ways of directly bypassing that, whether, whether we encode the data differently and that allows us to sneak through. Maybe, you know, if we send certain combinations of data... It'll be reassembled on the other side in a way that we want. We, you know, we get to test all that sort of stuff and make sure the controls that are in place are working and catching, and then that somebody's doing something with that. Because the other thing is having these controls in place and having these fancy firewalls and network detection capabilities are awesome. But if nobody's doing anything when it alerts, if nobody's actually responding, then that's that's also a very valuable part of the red team engagement because not only when do they see us, but when do they do something about it? Do they do something that slows us down or stops us? It's like um, gathering logs is great, but it's pointless if nothing ever reads them. Yeah, if you're, if you're never, ever, ever doing anything with the output of these tools, you may as well not have the tools. Like, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's no point there. It's Yeah, and you, you do see it a lot where, oh, yeah, we, um, we're getting the logs for that. It's like, awesome. Well, what, what do you do with them? It's like, well, we just collect them here and then we look through them if something ever happens. And it's like mm. awesome. Yeah. So so using them using them only after attack has been successful. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. But I imagine it, it sounds pretty common. Yeah. Recently ran into it with some 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 web app logs. Uh, we identified um identified an attack vector and spoke with the customer about it. We're like, hey, we've got this thing. Should be easy enough to, you know, identify. Here's here's some some rules to detect it. And they kind of looked at us very blankly and 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 went oh, yeah, we'll have to go and try to get all the logs for that. And we're capturing them, but we're not doing anything with them. And it's like, but your entire business revolves around your web presence. Why are you not capturing and having this stuff somewhere and doing things with it? Like, this is this is your business. Um, so identifying things like that where, yeah, okay, they might have these fancy controls in place and they may detect you, but if there's no response. So, yeah, that's, that's another kind of part of the whole red team process is you're testing the controls, you're testing the detection, you're testing the response itself um, and trying to build a, a picture of, sort of where they're doing well, where they're doing less well, and where sort of the specific sort of attacker that you are emulating in this instance, where they're doing things to actually mitigate, or maybe they're doing things, or they could tweak something to actually mitigate some of the sort of tools, techniques, practices, that sort of thing. And that's 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 the big output of it. It's it's um, easy to kind of romanticize and, and go all Hollywood on the red team thing, but it's it's essentially a, a penetration test on a grander scale with a bigger target. Yeah, I think the um, testing the response capability is is a really big part, not to undervalue as well. I know working with a a lot of companies through through their uh, maturity journey, when you start getting up to to red teaming, you're also building the the muscle memory of the responding team, right? And give uh, give the audience an example of where this can be um, interesting if you're running a red team engagement. And um, one of the things you could consider doing as a red team is being very loud somewhere very unrelated to the actual work that you're trying to do. So the responding team stands up and starts working on this attack and, and triaging what's going on and actually it's just a distraction. And that might sound funny to people who've never seen it before, but there have been several breaches where the threat group have performed a DOS attack or something like that to terrorize 
a system down and then exfiltrated data elsewhere. Yeah, it, it, it works. And it's it's essentially at that point an attack on the resources because the response yes. team only yeah, have yeah, yeah. so much time and only have so much bandwidth. And if you take that up, responding to something that makes a lot of noise and looks quite scary, like, like you know, an, an attempted denial of service or, or something like that, something that is going to light up any dashboards, is going to attract their attention, then yeah, you might very well be able to sort of sneak in through through the back door at that point. And, and the truth is as well, um, triaging can be difficult. I mean, if you take a look at um, TalkTalk's 2015 breach, one of the things that their uh, CEO, Dido Harding, announced at the beginning was the first thing that they knew of the attack was their website was running slow. And if all you're given in terms of your incident response ticket is our website is slow, is it broken? Have we pushed a new software uh, change to it? Is this a DOS attack? Or in that instance, SQL injection and it's the data exfiltration. That's it. It's um, it's hard without that without that visibility and without that kind of all that additional sort of metadata about what's happening. It's it's very very difficult at times to like say make make that leap because nobody's realistically going to go the website's running slow. Oh crap, we've been breached. Like that's that's not a logical leap to make just based off the information you're given there. But having that extra sort of context visibility and help shape what that means. That that is so important. I was talking to a company uh, a few months ago now, and um, they they said something that just just kind of really triggered with me. Of like that was a very specific and odd way of wording it. And what they were basically getting at was they are able to detect certain kinds of attacks. And what he's saying like, oh, if somebody performs a brute force attack, just as an off the cuff example, we can detect that attack has happened. And it's like, okay, but can you detect? if it was successful or not? Because that's really different, right? Between somebody tried a brute force and an account is now compromised. Yeah, I, brute force attacks are, are always a fun one to to watch the um, watch the kind of analysis and response to because you see that, you know, login attempt, login attempt, login attempt, login attempt, login attempt, and it, it going on for, you know, maybe hours. It's going, 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 and then it stopped. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Have they have they run out of passwords? Have they yeah, yeah. found one that works? Have they like if if you don't have that extra context, all you know is somebody was trying to log in yeah. and they stopped trying. Not that they stopped. Well, one of my favorite things is um when you say like, oh, was it successful? Did they compromise an account? It's like, did they compromise several accounts and are now going to use one of them for the for for further attacks? Because that's the thing I've seen before as well, where um companies have had a brute force attack happen and then have had a suspicious login and they jump on that account and start you know, doing remediation activities and don't realize that several other accounts are also compromised but aren't being used. It's easy to kind of point at that and be like, oh, but you should have spotted that. But when you're... When you're A triage is hard. Yeah. yeah. When, you're, when you're on the ground trying to do it, it's, it, is, it is very difficult and it's, it's often a moving target is the issue. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a technique that works and you, know, you, you, you see it and it's a real test of those controls because if you can't see, so maybe you can see the login attempts or you can see failed login attempts because you're not logging successful login attempts. It's it's something to be addressed kind of in your controls and your procedures after after a test, whether that's whether that's a real breach, whether it's a, you know a pen test or a red team engagement or whatever it is. That's that's a valid kind of finding a remediation that should be made. Like, hey, cool, you're doing a good job and you're logging when somebody's trying to force their way in, but you don't know when they manage. So yeah, it's it's going back to testing the controls. I mean, there's there's a lot of areas where where, where things like that happens. I mean, phishing emails are another big one. Um, there's a, a certain certain group that you know quite like sending phishing emails, and when you see them coming in, and we're seeing the phishing emails, we're seeing the phishing emails, we're seeing the phishing emails, and then they stop. That's again one of those. Why have they stopped? But on the other side, it's a useful control the other way because 
maybe they've stopped they've gained access there's a breach and you have sort of found that you you think you've you think you've managed to sort of get rid of the the little foothold in your network how do you validate that maybe the phishing emails start again i've, I've seen i've seen things as 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 kind of almost as lo- loose being the right word for that used to measure success on whether you've you've kicked them out or not and to be fair it was it was right but yeah it's um there's 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 a few things like that where kind of additional controls are definitely useful. I was just taking a pause there to uh, take a look at something. There were some statistics released by the government in um, March, Cybersecurity Breaches Survey. One of the things that really stood out to me that uh, you reminded me of their mentioning um, phishing is the number of organizations that had identified a breach or attack based on um, certain aspects of the attack. Because so many organizations and so many media headlines talk about things like ransomware. And um, ransomware is is a big thing but it's not necessarily as big as things like business email compromise it's not necessarily as big as things like um phishing attacks uh, but the, the particular statistics that the, the government re- released was um seven percent of breaches that they were discussing within their breach survey seven percent were ransomware and 83 percent involved phishing so it's a huge number 83 percent of those attacks involved phishing to some degree it's like it's it's a huge thing so yeah i think um ransomware d- deserves attention it can be significant significantly impactful against organizations but not every attack is a ransomware attack no it's it's not i think i think the thing with ransomware is the impact tends to be very large when when someone gets hit by ransomware it tends to be very obvious very public that was what i was waiting for because i i think of it different you are, you are right those um breaches are often these days significant but the the thing that i i like uh, as a distinguishing characteristic of ransomware is you know you've been ransomware yeah. it's like if you've had a business email compromise you've had something like a perimeter break or something like that there could be inside the network doing you know additional yeah. attacks stealing information those kinds of things but ransomware you know it that's it and it's it's very visible to yourself but it's also very visible to kind of everybody else it, it's you know when you see when you see companies get hit by it and op, so their business operations are effectively on hold until they get a handle on it that's very public and i think that's why at least mentally a lot of people put it kind of higher in that list there i mean i don't think anybody would have guessed at it being such a relatively small percentage of kind of incidents i think it's just an availability heuristic it's just everybody is always talking about ransomware so we start to think that all of these attacks uh, are ransomware I, I like to think of ransomware a little bit differently i don't i don't really like the term like a ransomware attack because i, I presume you have something similar where when it comes to um attacking an organization be that a penetration test or, or something more malicious there are several stages to that, right? We have the attack chain, we use that terminology. And ransomware, from my point of view, that's just the payload. There's no distinction between, you know, compromising a domain admin account to exfiltrate data versus compromising a domain admin account to drop network-wide ransomware. That's just the last step, the payload. Yeah, I was I was about to touch on that as well. So the um, the, the the phishing uh, sort of breaches and incidents involving phishing, the, that percentage is probably so high because it works. So a lot of things are delivered. So the, the payload delivery mechanism often is phishing because it works. So of those of those ransomware attacks, I bet a, a healthy a healthy percentage of those were delivered via an email. Yeah, or not even not even necessarily like the ransomware was delivered via the email, but like the foothold was maybe phishing and then there was there was more to it. Yeah. It's it's often, you know, it's 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 a very reliable way of gaining access to a network. The the way that I think about it as well is not only is it reliable, but it's low cost from the, the attacker's point of view. It's like I send a bunch of phishing emails, I might get a success. Or if I don't, I could wait a little while, I could try another organization, I could do a different campaign. You know, it, 
it's not like you get one chance. You can keep trying with those things. No, you 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 keep going. You keep going. And the thing is, people are so used to kind of having having that drilled into them about you know suspicious emails, suspicious emails, suspicious. Sometimes that plays into our favor as an attacker because people are so used to seeing and being told you know hey you need to look out for these these bad emails. But when they do receive something suspicious, say you try and send something over and they they catch it, they don't go oh god we're we're under attack. They go. Ah, it was another another phishing email. That's, that's really weird. And they'll they'll report it and they'll send it off. But they're not on guard for another one because they've they've seen it, they've dealt with it, they've followed the training, maybe, but they've they've taken the steps and then they carry on. Nobody goes, Oh, we've received a phishing email. Maybe somebody's trying to get into the network. They just kind of do the steps and start the business. Yeah, that 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 very often is just like indicative of process failures at companies. I've done so many security assessments where, you know, the the outcome of the assessment hasn't necessarily been like a security controller's at fault, but it's just like, hey, there's no process failure. I give you a really like direct example of this. Physical access testing, where you get challenged when you're on site and somebody says, oh, you don't work here. And you go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place. I'm lost, whatever. You talk your way out of it and you walk away. And then they don't do anything. Like they don't report it or tell anyone else. Or, hey, there was this suspicious person. Keep an eye out for them. No, they've they've done their bit at that point. They've said you need to leave. They watched you leave and yeah. that's it. They're, Job done and, and that's it. They're happy. They wander off. Yeah, they, very, very rarely do they, you know, wander down to site security or make a phone call like, hey, there was a weird person wandering around and um, you guys might want to keep an eye out for them. They, they just don't. So I guess what we what we should build up to next, because we've been talking an awful lot about like, hey, hacking's really cool. And when you get good at hacking, you should you should upgrade a little bit towards red teaming. And we're talking about triaging issues and, and, and process failures and all of those kinds of things. But I guess at the end of this um, episode, what do we want to leave the audience with? What should the uh, the lesson of this episode be to those who are listening you know what i don't know i'll give you one then because i've been taking notes throughout i i think from from what we've been talking about here one of the things we've been circling around is keep in mind what is the goal what are you actually testing it doesn't matter if it's a cyber essentials or a pen test or a red team it's like what is it that you're looking for from this and that's how you started didn't you, you said you want to give um customers the best value so you got to define value haven't you it for for that engagement for that customer at that time yeah that works that's the problem with that hacking stuff isn't it it's just too interesting and sometimes we just want to fall down into the hole of like oh man this fits really interesting let's talk about that you, you end up end up down and right down in the rabbit hole absolutely so if uh if people have been listening to this episode and the, and they like the the way that you're talking and they're interested in in some of the things that you do, um, how can they find out more about the work that you do? Um, yeah, so the the first port of call, uh, if you're looking for more information on kind of not just the kind of things we've been talking about today, but other other areas of cybersecurity, would be to jump over to uh, secure-impact.com and and have a look there. Um, there's there's some some nice data sheets on there around what some of these things are um, and some explanations of maybe some of the some of the t- terms and, and things that, that maybe aren't super clear. On social media, you can find us uh, on, on Twitter at Secure Impact Limited um, and we, uh, we're, we're, on, we're on LinkedIn as well um, under the same name. Perfect. And Simon, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been great talking to you.